Welcome to the Truth Hurts Program. I'm Steve Z. Let's get right to it. It was a crazy weekend, and some of our programming may have gotten a little mixed up with regard to the timelines. Here's some things that go from Friday night through Saturday that were not published because of some technical issues we had. I hope you enjoy it. This is the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. My friend Jason has made a comment to me that it's amazing. You don't even need to go hunting for stories. They just land in front of your doorstep. There's no real magic to deciding what to discuss. It's just the things that are on my mind that really chap my ass, and I'm sure they chap yours too, especially when they're brought to the fore in a program like the Truth Hurts program. Let the racism continue. I have a question for my audience. If I own and operate a business, am I allowed to openly discriminate against any one person or any group of persons based on race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, or other factor? Can I openly discriminate and tell people, sorry, we don't serve your kind here? If you're in Oakland, California, you can discriminate if and only if you are discriminating against white people. You heard me correctly. There's a new program out. It's a program of grants for low-income families. And here's the catch. It's funded by private donations, so they say it's okay to discriminate. It's being rolled out in Oakland, California. Remember when Democrat presidential candidate Andrew Yang and others called for universal basic income, UBI, for certain income level Americans? They didn't discriminate and only say it was for the 13% double A hyphenated Blafrican American crowd. They said it was for all people below a certain income level. But in Oakland, California, they're doing exactly that, except there are prohibitions on providing any of their services to white people. Eligible individuals will receive $500 a month for at least 18 months in a guaranteed income program designed to tackle poverty in the city of Oakland, California. The initiative borrows ideas from similar UBI programs that provide a monthly stipend, only this one will be means-tested. The claim is, while the program has support amongst groups representing low-income families in general, some people on social media have criticized it, arguing that the program will exclude low-income white families. The facts. The initiative is a privately fund program that will give low-income families of color $500 per month and with no rules on how they spend it. According to the Oakland Resilient Families Program website, the following groups are eligible. Black, Indigenous, People of Color, BIPOC, that's BIPOC families, that is, groups with the greatest wealth disparities per the Oakland Equity Index. And as long as these groups, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, have income levels that are considered low income, and as long as they have one child under 18, regardless of documentation status, in other words, illegal aliens as well, they get the money. 
according to the guidelines, it states that the term family is defined broadly so as to recognize that families come in all shapes and sizes and colors, apparently except white. Low income to them is defined as being at or below 50% of the area's median income, and that works out to be about 59000 a year for a family of three. Half of the funding is reserved for what they call very low-income families, those earning below 138% of the federal poverty level, or, in other words, people who earn $30,000 a year for a family of three. UBI would provide everyone, regardless of income, with equal cash support, often instead of existing social benefits. Oakland Resilient Families is intended for low-income People of Color, B-I-P-O-C, families, and therefore is, by its very definition, not universal. Payments will begin being administered to families this spring, and the goal is to have the entire program up and running by the summer. Some 600 families will receive $500 a month for 18 months, unconditionally, to use however they choose. They will have an option to participate in surveys and interviews, but they're not required to. However, it is not designed to function as universal basic income, according to their guidelines. Oakland Resilient Families is funded entirely by philanthropic donations, and the program has raised $6.75 million. In the frequently asked questions section of their website, in answer to, Who is this for?, it states, quote, Black, Indigenous, and People of Color, BIPOC families with low incomes and at least one child under 18, regardless of documentation status. Under the headlines, Where Will the Families Be Located?, the website states, Any low-income BIPOC family in Oakland is eligible to apply to be randomly selected to receive the money. The targeted nature of the grants has a historical relevance. The website states, any low-income BIPOC family in Oakland is eligible to apply to be randomly selected to receive the money, but the targeted nature of the grants means otherwise. How can it be random if it's targeted? White households in the city of Oakland supposedly earn on average roughly three times as much per year as black households, according to the Oakland Equity Index. Jesus Garina is the CEO of Family Independence Initiative. They're partnering with this program, and they told the Associated Press, Guaranteed income has been a goal of the Black Panther platform since its founding. Direct investment in the community in response to systemic injustices is not new. Armando Nieto is the executive director of the Oakland-based Community Food and Justice Coalition. He said, It is way past time for our larger community to recognize the responsibility we have to target the least amongst us for a place to start a pilot project. Non-targeted support is available for all families via a variety of channels, including several non-profit organizations that work for the city. But the bottom line here is, folks, if you happen to be a broke-ass white person and you happen to make 30000 a year or less in Oakland and you happen to have a child and that child happens to be white, don't expect any help from this racially biased 
bigoted, prejudiced organization who only seeks to help their own kind and to hell with you and your white family. Racism abounds, and it's perfectly okay. But if I tomorrow decided to start an organization and say, hey, I'm collecting money, and I happen to collect six and a half, seven million dollars from people, and I say, I'm going to be giving this money out in the form of universal income, and only white people need apply, because we're not giving a dime of this to Blafrican American 13% AA hyphenated minorities, and we're not giving it to Latinos, and we're not giving it to Indians, feathers, not dots. I would be called a bigot, a racist. I'd have my house burned to the ground. Studio 63 would be gone. I'd probably be shot and killed, hung in the public square by an evil noose. But that's okay, because the double standard is alive and kicking, and it's kicking white people right in the teeth. Fox News reporter Peter Ducey is a little bit upset. And he confronted the press secretary, Jen Psaki, on Friday after his network did not get a chance to ask a single question of gropey Joe Biden at his first press conference. I guess they forgot to circle your name, Peter. Remember, they circled all the other reporters' names and they put numbers next to them in 14-point type so gropey Joe would know who to call on and in which order so that he could refer page by page to his wonderful three-ring binder. At Friday's press briefing, Peter Ducey noted that Biden had a list of journalists to call on and that Fox News was the only member of the five-network press pool to not be given the opportunity to ask a question of gropey Joe Biden. Ducey said, I'm curious if that is official administration policy. Psaki said, We're having a conversation, aren't we? And I do take questions from you every time I come to the briefing room. Has the president taken questions of you since he came into office? Yes or no? What a bitch. Ducey said that Biden sometimes responds to his shouted questions at White House events, but that when Biden has a list in front of him, he never calls on Fox News. And he dated all the way back to the campaign as evidence. I'm just curious with this list that he has given, Ducey said. The only member of the five-network pool never on it, dating back to when he resumed in-person events in Wilmington during the campaign. But Psaki noted that she takes questions from Peter Ducey every day in the briefing room and that she regularly appears on Fox News Sunday. Well, whoop-de-freaking-do! You're not the president, Psaki. Neither is Gropey Joe. He's a puppet. But nonetheless, don't you think it's a little unfair? Imagine if Donald Trump had just decided to only call on Fox News and leave out ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, HLN, CNBC, and only take questions from people friendly to his campaign. Pisaki continued, I'd say that I'm always happy to have this conversation with you, even about the awesome socks you are wearing today, and have a conversation even when we disagree. The president has taken your questions, and I'm looking forward to doing Fox News Sunday this Sunday for the third time in the last few months. Gropey Joe took questions from reporters at 10 different outlets on Thursday during that first so-called scripted press conference, but he steered clear of Fox News altogether. 
Peter Ducey has emerged as a regular sparring partner for P. Psaki at the Daily Briefings, challenging the White House with pointed questions about immigration and other hot topics of the day. Oh, how I wish I could sit in on the White House press corps pool. I'd just like to ask about, oh, I don't know, 12 very important questions? Ducey, by the way, is also known to try and get Biden to answer impromptu questions at scripted events and to ask questions that other outlets have refused to ask on topics such as the president's nasty son, cocaine addict Hunter Biden, and all of those shady dealings that the Biden family is involved in. I guess we'll have to wait, Peter Ducey, to see if you get called on at the next press conference. Hey, when's that next press conference scheduled for the White House with Gropey Joe himself? I mean, he had two weeks to prepare for this one. I guess the next one will be in, what, June, July? We'll have to see. This is the Truth Hurts program. Meanwhile, down at the permit department at City Hall... Next! Yeah, look here. I'm letting to get a permit to do some protesting down by the police station this Saturday morning with about 400 of my homies, you heard? What's the purpose of your protest, baby? Uh, we want to protest the treatment of black folks by Donald Trump. Political affiliation, darling? Uh, we vote Democrat, you know? I mean, you know, who else I'm going to vote for, a girl? Any other affiliations? Yeah, look here. BLM, Antifa, Infact, Black Bloc, Reparations Now, the New Panthers, you know, all of them. I'll be hanging with everybody, you heard? Okay, your permit's approved, darling. And don't forget to keep voting D in the next election. Helps me to keep my job down here at the permit department, you heard? Yay, sister, I heard you. Next! Um, good morning. I would like to apply for a permit to do some public activism work in the city. Some what? Some political what? Uh, pardon me. I'm seeking an application to obtain a permit so that some of my colleagues and contemporaries can participate in a redress of grievances against certain activities that we do not condone, subscribe to, or affirm. Look, mister, I don't know what you just be said, but it sounds like y'all finna get violent in public, so I'm gonna have to deny your permit. Is there someone I can speak to, ma'am? We've mentioned no violence, no disorder whatsoever. We simply would like to address our grievances in a peaceable assembly. It's our constitutional right. Look, baby, you're going to have to stay right here and wait on my supervisor. Don't you move now, you heard? It was at that moment that he knew he was screwed. Several police officers came out and escorted him from the building. He was never seen again. Welcome to America. W-H-O. Who? No. W-H-O. Who? World Health Organization. The World Health Organization official who is leading the international team investigating the origin of the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus said the group's full report will be issued in the coming days. It only took you a year? Peter Ben Embarek said... You probably heard me say in the past that we were very close to finalizing the report, and I'm the first one to regret that it's not out yet. But it's roughly now finalized. Team members discussed some of their findings back in February, including that it is extremely unlikely that the coronavirus originated in a lab, but details of the report are highly anticipated. He said the content is now complete, and frankly speaking, I expect that in the next few days the whole process will be completed and we'll be able to release it publicly. It's a very slow and complicated process to get there, he said. 
noting that work happening across several time zones and in both Chinese and English languages makes it a little more difficult. That's funny. I have a brother who speaks English and Mandarin and a little bit of Cantonese, and I'm sure he could have put a report together far, far sooner than these clowns. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, the Biden administration will examine the data behind the report before determining how to proceed. And a State Department spokesman working for Mr. A. Blinken said back in February that the U.S. would welcome the World Health Organization's findings in an official report, but it will use the U.S. intelligence community to reach their own conclusions. Robert Redfield is the former Center for Disease Control and Prevention director. He recently told CNN he believes the virus did originate in a Chinese lab. And worldwide, this is the conventional thinking. However, Dr. Anthony Fauci said that Redfield's comments were just an opinion, noting there are other alternatives, others that many other people hold. Guess what? Who gives a damn about you, Anthony Fauci, you kiss-ass? I think it came from a lab in Wuhan, China. I think that since there are patents on this particular strain of the coronavirus, as well as the cures, it is very likely that because you can't patent something that naturally occurs in nature, this must have been man-made. But hey, I'm just a lowly talk show host. We have to listen to the science, to the experts who seem to change their mind as often as I change my underwear. And yes, that's very often. I've been mentioning Hunter Biden because none of the mainstream media news outlets have the balls to talk about the cocaine-addled son of your groper-in-chief, sleepy, creepy, mopey, dopey, little girl, gropey Joe Biden. And now two top Republicans are seeking answers related to a reported 2018 gun incident involving little Hunter Biden. They fired off a trio of letters to the FBI, the Secret Service, and the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives about their possible responses to this event that occurred in 2018. Senators Chuck Grassley and Ron Johnson said they are seeking information from federal law enforcement agencies regarding their reported role in an incident involving a firearm belonging to Hunter Biden long after Biden's U.S. Secret Service protection had ended. And they're asking why the Secret Service became involved in the incident despite Biden's elapsed status as a protectee. And they're seeking further information from the FBI and the ATF. The senators are demanding responses by April 8th. Members of the United States Secret Service attempted to retrieve gun paperwork from a Wilmington, Delaware shop in 2018 October after a firearm allegedly owned by Hunter Biden mysteriously went missing. This according to a report in Politico. According to a police document obtained by the outlet, Biden's sister-in-law Hallie, who started a romantic relationship with him after her husband and his brother, Beau, died in 2015, creeper alert, creeper alert, took the gun and placed it in a public trash can near a grocery store. After his sister-in-law told him where she placed the gun, Biden instructed her to go and retrieve the gun later that day. But she found it was no longer in the trash where she says she had thrown it away. Local cops were notified and alerted to the scene. Sounds a little suspicious to me. 
Hey, honey, ex-former wife of my brother who I'm now screwing, go get that gun and I want you to bring it to this grocery store and put it in a garbage can outside. I'm going to come pick it up. Then later on, I'm going to put it back in the garbage can and I want you to pick it up and take it home. Really? That doesn't sound like some sneaky, shady shit to you? The senators wrote to the U.S. Secret Service Director James Murray about the report's claim that Secret Service agents may have been involved in responding to that incident, saying, quote, If true, U.S. Secret Service must explain to Congress why such informal actions were taken and whether they were necessary in light of the circumstances, unquote. They're asking, please provide all records related to your agency's involvement in the alleged October 2018 incident with respect to Hunter Biden's firearm no later than April 8, 2021. Further, U.S. Secret Service failed to fully respond to our October 20, 2020 letter relating to emails that referenced travel plans for Hunter Biden involving U.S. Secret Service agents one year after Hunter Biden's protection had ended. We continue to expect a complete response to that letter. Well, you're going to keep waiting, Senators, because apparently you're not important. And the Gropey Joe administration wants to hide every sneaky, shady piece of crap that his nasty crime family has been involved in. The report said Secret Service was involved in the matter. The agency told the Washington Examiner that it had no involvement in the incident. Well, double standard? Hypocrisy? Out-and-out lie? Gropey Joe Biden, who was not under Secret Service protection at that time, said through a White House spokesperson that he has no knowledge of the service's involvement in the incident. Well, of course, he can't remember if he tied his shoes 10 minutes ago. How the hell is he going to remember something that happened in 2018? Remember? He said he's been in Congress for 120 years. A White House spokesperson confirmed that Biden was not under Secret Service protection in 2018 because the family's full-time protection only lasted from 2009 to 2017 and then resumed again in March 2020 when he was a front-runner for the Democrat nomination. The Republican letter to ATF acting director Regina Lombardo noted that, quote, the gun store owner reportedly provided the paperwork, unquote, to the Bureau and asked the ATF to, quote, please provide all records relating to your agency's involvement in the alleged October 2018 incident, unquote. The ATF directed questions about this to the Delaware State Police. They've declined to comment. The letter to FBI Director Chris Wray said that the FBI reportedly responded to the scene. However, it is unclear what actions, if any, the FBI took and asked the FBI to please provide all records relating to your agency's involvement. Wow. You mean the director of the FBI isn't sure what his people did? Isn't he responsible for them? By the way, no charges were ever filed and no arrests were ever made following this gun saga. Hunter Biden has been under criminal investigation for years as federal authorities scrutinize his taxes and foreign business dealings, as well as the 51-year-old's financial transactions with China. Attorney General Merrick Garland testified during his confirmation hearing back in February that he had not discussed the investigation with President Gropey Joe Biden. In addition to that police report, Politico obtained copies of the firearms transaction record dated October 12, 2018. The Federalist published a copy of the form that was supposedly filled out by Hunter Biden 
on Friday. Hunter Biden responded no to a question on the transaction record that asked, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? His no response came five years after he was discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine. He said at the time, it was the honor of my life to serve in the U.S. Navy, and I deeply regret and embarrassed that my actions led to my administrative discharge. I respect the Navy's decision. With the love and support of my family, I'm moving forward. He and his family have publicly discussed his history of drug use, and he will be releasing a memoir touching on his drug addiction titled Beautiful Things next month. Lying on a firearms form, by the way, is a felony. The U.S. Government Accountability Office reported that prosecutions for lying on a form are rare, but they do happen. You know damn well they won't happen to Gropey Joe's son. Secret Service agents allegedly asked the owner of the gun store to hand over the paperwork related to that sale. The Politico report said that Ron Palmieri, the owner of StarQuest Shooters and Survival Supply in Delaware, refused because he was concerned that they might hide Biden's ownership of the gun. That gun reportedly went missing after it was placed in a garbage can. The gun was reportedly handed in days after the investigation started by a person who claims they regularly dig through the trash to collect recyclable items. Just like his laptop, right? That he claimed he didn't know anything about, but he went there looking for it multiple times at the computer repair store. This family has more shadiness than the area under the redwood forests. We'll be right back. Let's face it, crap happens. My car, you know, it like, it like doesn't have like, you know, like that automatic brake thingy. Like, you know, that tech that like, like makes the car like, you know, stop like by itself. So you don't have to like, you know, like slam on the like the brakes when you're getting ready to like, you know, hit the car in front of you. And so I like smashed into this like car and the lady was like really mad because she like, you know, she had her like her head snapped back and she claimed like she had, you know, like whiplash or something. It's just not fair. Like poor people like me are getting screwed like all the time. Were you involved in an accident that was totally your fault if you're looking to blame someone else for your own stupidity? Call the law firm of We Know How to Rip Them Off and Good today at 1-800-SCREW-U-2. That's 1-800-SCREW-U-2 today. Our team of expert attorneys will show that income equality caused your accident and you won't have to pay a dime to the privileged elitists in that expensive luxury car. Call now. I am a non-attorney spokesperson. There's a strange new COVID vaccine side effect and it's confusing doctors. All three of the COVID vaccines approved in the US, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson can come with quite a few side effects, which doctors say just mean your body is having a strong immune response. Of course, it doesn't make those side effects any less uncomfortable. By now, you probably know that you'll expect a sore arm, a rash, a headache, fatigue, maybe fever and chills, or other flu-like symptoms. But recently, some people have been reporting strange new side effects from the vaccines, and they're confusing the doctors. People have reported experiencing a metallic taste in their mouth as a side effect of the vaccine. It's like having a roll of nickels in your mouth, said one South Carolina patient. It's not debilitating or anything, but I sure hope it goes away. I'd like my coffee to taste normal. Doctors are still not sure what causes it. 
metallic taste is interesting because we really don't know the biological basis for it, said Nancy Rawson, Ph.D., Vice President of the Monell Chemical Census Center in Philadelphia. There's no metallic taste receptor. John Selleck, Jr. is a professor of medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the University at Buffalo, SUNY. He ventured a guess, however. I suspect it's part of a vagal response, the same response that gives you the sweats, fever, flushing, and lightheadedness in anticipation of getting a shot or a procedure. The side effect has come up with other treatments and vaccines, although rare, developing a metallic taste as a side effect of a treatment is not completely unheard of. It has come up with other vaccines, antibiotics, and even pain medications. Though it seems strange, the metallic taste is not a side effect to be concerned about, according to experts. It does not indicate anything that would prevent getting a second dose of the vaccine. If you're worried, reach out to your doctor and let them know about your trepidation. Persons who are experiencing the side effect of a metallic taste have been known to get that sensation within minutes of getting the vaccine. Unlike the other COVID vaccine side effects that take hours to appear, it seems that if you don't experience the taste immediately, it's unlikely to show up at all. The side effect can last for up to several days. One man in Florida said the metallic taste persisted for several hours after his vaccination, but it finally dissipated after he ate dinner. A California man said that the taste stayed with him for a few days. So it all depends, I guess, on how your body tolerates having some foreign substance injected into it. Well, that's going to wrap up this morning's edition of the Truth Hurts program for your Monday, 29th day of March 2021. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you are offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, the Truth Hurts Program Network. All rights reserved.